Hello, and welcome to today's podcast. I'm Colin Neslau, and I'm here today with Carlos Gomez. Hola, hola, hola. And Tadeo Gasparetto. Hello, everyone. Tadeo, can you tell us a little bit about today's paper? Sure. Well, the paper today we're going to discuss, its title is A Balancing Act, Women Players in a New Semi-Professional Team Sport League. It has four authors, so Tracy Taylor and Claire Hanlon from Victoria University, Hunter Fujak from Deakin University, and Donna O'Connor from the University of Sydney. So it has been published this year in the European Sport Management Quarterly and it's a super nice research. And actually it's quite timely as well. So a few weeks ago we had this final of the European Cup, women's won, and it was the highest attendance ever. So it got a lot of attention worldwide, not only in Europe, because it reached this huge number of supporters, attendees on the match, and this is more or less what we are going to discuss today. So this particular paper is about Australian National Rugby League. But in the beginning, they talk about the substantial growth of women's sports in recent times. But despite of this growth, players are still facing marginal salaries and semi-professional conditions of employment. So they provide a brief but very interesting literature review explaining the physical, psychological, and structural challenges and barriers that these players face, some difference between male and female sports. And the aim of this paper then is to understand the player's personal, organizational, and societal barriers and supportive practice in the inaugural season of this semi-professional league in Australia. So, Cornell, I guess, can you tell us how they did this? Sure. So, they approached this problem or this research question from two different points of views. The first one was that they had a survey with players and they had 46 responses. I am going to give you one example of a question. For example, I feel I had sufficient opportunities to be selected for a NRLW contract and that many questions like this that the respondents could respond to and afterwards they had a second section so first at the service for the players and then they had semi-structured interviews with players coaches and managers from the four different teams the teams that they selected three from them were from Australia and one from New Zealand so those were the teams that played in the league and I think it's really interesting that first they have the survey with the players, so they get really the perspective of the players and afterwards the interviews, not only with players, but also with managers and coaches, because then they get this broad overview, what was happening. And they did this survey and these interviews after the season was done. So then obviously everyone had participated, they know what happened. So Carlos, what did they tell us? So what did happen? Yes, I actually like that the authors use this method, Cornell, that you're talking, because sometimes to know more about this kind of topic, you need to talk to the people. And I like that they went, they talked to the players, they talked to the coaches, they talked to the managers to know more about what was 
going on. They include in the discussion or in the results sections like four different levels. So they discuss the results at the individual level, interpersonal level, organizational level, and sociocultural level. And now I explain a little bit what they actually find at the individual level. So for the players, they find that most of them are intrinsically motivated. So it's not about the money, it's about something else. It's about to giving back to the sports and payment is like an extra, it's like a bonus for them. But of course, this still brings obligations, expectations, commitments, and this is a source of stress that the players have to deal with. Then they find or they refer to four key relationships for the players. One is family. They have also to balance life at home. Also with the primary employees, these players have two or three jobs. So for them, it's actually difficult to combine everything. And they rely on the flexibility given by the primary employer to be able to compete. And also the relationships that they build with the coaches, with the teammates for these bonds. At the organizational level, they explore different factors that could make the life of the athlete easier. And one of them is the cultural embracement of women within the clubs. So clubs actually need to incorporate these women sections of the sports and to provide them with resources. And then also the practical implications of the limited salaries. In this case, I didn't know apparently there's a minimum salary that they have to receive and it's set up by the government. So it's actually quite interesting to find out how they can conceal all these requirements to being able to compete in the league. And then also the authors discuss at the sociocultural level, the traditional roles of gender. For example, these players that are also mothers and this stereotype within athletics, being a mother and then being able to compete as well. So they talk a little bit how difficult it is to combine all of these aspects. I think it's really interesting what you just said about the results that they find because I have a background in field hockey. Most of the time is not professional. And if you're one of the best players in the world, then maybe you're semi-professional. And I was far from being one of the best players in the world. But this semi-professional level in field hockey that they find here as well really reminded me of it. So you have to work in several jobs. And this is something that is not unique to, let's say, semi-professional rugby that they find here. So I think it is possible to generalize the finding. However, there's one thing for me that is different if you compare to hockey, because in field hockey, men and women are semi-professional. But here it's different because in rugby, men can be professional, but women are semi-professional. So there's a difference, but still I think we can generalize to some extent the findings that they have here. I agree. For many athletes, this is trouble because they want to compete either semi-professional or professional in some of the disciplines, as you mentioned. And most of them, I know they also have to rely on sponsors. So maybe that's also a key issue to discuss and to pay attention in future research, how sponsors can actually help or how much they can help to support these other disciplines that don't have that much attention in the media and that need actually a lot of resources. So yeah, nice piece of research. Cornell, Tadeu, thank you very much. This is everything for today's podcast. Thank you for listening to the weekly sports piece. Stay tuned.